Welcome to the Spotcast, the podcast dedicated to telling the stories of the people who keep Lehigh University going and growing. I'm your host, Hilary Kwiatek, Employee Communications Specialist in Lehigh University Human Resources. Let's see who we've spotted today. Today's guest is Bill Whitney, Administrative Director of the Office of Creative Inquiry. Bill Whitney, welcome to the Spotcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So we're going to get into what Creative Inquiry is, what Mm -hmm. the Office of Creative Inquiry is, but I'd like to know what your aspiration was from an early age in terms of, did you think, I'm going to be an administrative director (laughs) at a university, Uh, or was there something else uh, that you started out your path on? Sure. So, I I mean, no. The short answer is no. I did not aspire to be administrative director, although I'm perfectly happy to be here. Um, No, my earliest... uh, my earliest hobbies, my earliest aspirations were in music. I was a classically trained piano player from practically from birth. Uh, my, uh, by my own choice, I climbed up on the piano bench when I was three years old and I started plunking out tunes that I was hearing. Uh, my mother was a piano teacher in our house. So they uh, sort of raised an eyebrow and said, yeah, I think we might have something here. So we uh, started on that path and that was sort of my, my main gig uh, as a child and then in about uh, seventh grade, I discovered theater. And as kind of an introverted kid, uh, theater uh, hit me instantly as a way to um, be expressive and to be extroverted and uh, to be weird and silly and, and to have it all be permissible, so or at least semi-permissible. So that's uh, that kind of started me on a parallel track. And it was really the arts from that point forward, music, music theater, theater. Um, and so I majored in English and theater and as an undergrad. And, uh, but didn't really have a clear career path other than I knew that I wanted to uh, continue probably with the theater side of things more than the music side of things. I kind of had made a choice in high school that I didn't really want to be a professional classical pianist, even though you know, I was sort of on that track for a while. I decided that that just seemed too, you know, unusual a career path. And so, of course, I chose theater professor, Much which is <laughs> totally more practical. And um, <laughs> somehow I got that idea. So went through undergrad and, and just, you know, I had that kind of classic uh, college experience where I did everything uh, and I kind of just knocked it out of the park as an undergrad. And I was president of my senior class. And I was in every organization and blah, blah, blah. And I went to a small school. So it was kind of a big fish, small pond, and got out of college and then went, wait, what am I doing now? I don't quite know. I don't really have a plan here. And I was kind of thinking graduate school was down the road. So uh, fast forward, you know, a couple years, I went to got my master's, finally left my hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska, (laughs) which was a good thing, (laughs) but, you know, no problems growing up there. Um, But went to St. Louis, got my master's, uh, then decided to come out to New York, do a little bit of theater. I uh, had an internship at the Manhattan Theater Club in New York City for a year, and again, in a strange uh, strange career choice, decided not to continue there and <laughs> decided to go explore other things. I guess I was just kind of wandering and trying to figure out uh, what it was that I wanted to do. But again, ultimately, I thought, you know, professor was kind of like my career aspiration, and I wanted to convey the what I felt about theater and and what I thought that it represents for for our culture, for humanity. You know, I wanted to be able to convey that to another generation. So that was the, kind of the impetus behind it. And so I uh, eventually got my PhD in, uh, at the University of Wisconsin. 
in theater and drama. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you you didn't really think, um, oh, I'm going to trod the boards. I'm going to be a Broadway star or no. something like that. You yeah. you really were more on the other side I, of things. Wanting I kind to... of was. I mean, I did my share of you know <laughs> of running around on stage and uh, you know did a lot of. Uh, singing and dancing and acting and stuff in my younger days. And uh, that was all super fun, but never really felt like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. And and I knew I had enough good advice to know, you know, which is still very valid advice, that the only the only way to go and try to be on Broadway or whatever is if it's literally the only thing you can imagine yourself doing. <laughs> and so that's the only way to put yourself through that. So uh, I decided that wasn't really my path. Uh, my path was a little bit more life of the mind kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you got your PhD, and then obviously you just stumbled into a tenure track position at a major university. Absolutely, and because that's super, how it works. Super easy yeah. to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. I just they gave me the key, and I unlocked the box, <laughs> and inside was a job offer. It was really great. Uh, no, unfortunately, that's not how it works. Especially not uh, when you finish a PhD in the middle of the Great Recession of two thousand and nine, which is kind of where I went. And so I went from literally. Uh, in 07, I was coming towards the end of my doctorate, and I remember this clearly because it made me feel very good. There was a visiting faculty member in our department, and she was sitting around talking to a bunch of us PhD students, and uh, she said, you know what? You all are timing this perfectly. I mean, like, because the wave of retirements of faculty, you know, everybody – and she put it in this – funny way, which I thought was really interesting, which is all the faculty that went during the Vietnam War to get their PhDs and then entered the professoriate, they're all retiring now. You know, it's like your timing is perfect. It's like there's going to be so many job openings. And then the bottom fell out a year later. And uh, and I that's right when I finished in my two prime years on the job market, there was just nothing to apply for. And so it was a really uh, you know, disconcerting situation. And of course, in the meantime, I'd gotten married and had a baby daughter. So <laughs> it complicates things even more. And so um, sort of, again, you know, not that I didn't have a plan, but the plan wasn't there. So I had to figure out what else I could do. But I always saw myself working, well, always, uh, from when I wanted to be a professor, it wasn't just about the academics. It wasn't just about the professoriate. It was about being at a university. It was about being part of a community in higher education, and it was a part being part of that intellectual, cultural, humanistic community that I really wanted. You know, that's what I really was going after. And so I thought, well, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world just to have a job at a university. So that's what uh, led me towards exploring other avenues, which is what got me here. And you came here when? I came here in uh, 2010. So, yeah, March of 2010, so I'm coming up on 10 years. Yeah. And you started in the president's office, right? Right, right, right. So, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. I maybe you want to hear about that. Um, the story of how I kind of lucked into a really good job, but I like to think I earned it. But um, so uh, backing up a little bit uh, in the time between my master's and my Ph.D., <clears throat> after the year in New York and after kind of putting that path aside, I went to Boston for a couple of years. And um, – well, I was actually following a girlfriend up to Boston at that time. So um, always a good idea. <laughs> so I ended up there. And again, you know, sort of like, well, and I had so, a couple of theater gigs. I was working for a couple of theater companies, but it wasn't anything full time. So I had to had to find something full time, pay the bills. And so I ended up temping a little bit and actually had a couple of fascinating temp jobs. And I was like, working for the dean of the Boston University Law School for a month. And then I was working for the dean of Harvard's Medical School for a month, which was a really interesting gig. 
you know, filing papers and stuff like that, but like really around really interesting people. Then I ended up at MIT in the office of the vice president for research, who at the time was a woman named Alice Gast. Ah, yeah, you might have heard of her. Yes. So <laughs> there it is. So she had just arrived actually from Stanford, um, where she'd been for, I think, got her PhD there and stayed there, was a professor. And this was kind of her first big administrative gig. And so I was her assistant for a year, year and a half. And really, that was the time I was just sort of picking a doctoral program. And uh, and I was up front with her about that, you know, was, that I was this was going to happen in the next year or two. And so once I did and, and uh, you know, had a perfectly good working relationship with her and it was all fine and left to go get my Ph.D., went out to Wisconsin and and said, you know, see you later. And <laughs> nice knowing you. And she said the same. And and uh, and at some point, I don't even remember what made me do this, like four years later, I thought, yeah, I wonder if I was still at MIT. And I was just kind of Googling around, when, probably procrastinating on my dissertation. And I saw, oh, yeah, she's president of this institution, Lehigh University. And I, I knew of Lehigh, you know, I don't know from where, from the sports crawls, maybe <laughs> like Lehigh. Okay, it's an institution I've heard of. Didn't really even know where it was. And um, so I thought, hmm, interesting. Okay, filed that away in the brain. And then when it came time to uh, to navigate a <laughs> empty job market, I was really putting out feelers to anybody and everybody that I knew at any institution. And so, you know, getting a lot of like, yep, uh, hear you, you know, <laughs> it's great to hear from you, you know, nothing available. And so I reached out to her because I saw Lehigh had a theater department. And that was the original reason I reached out. I sent her my CV and I said, would you be, I don't, I don't even know if you remember me, I think is what I said. And I really didn't. <clears throat> and, um. She wrote back pretty quickly and said, absolutely remember you. It's great to hear from you, but be happy to send my C your CV over to my theater department, but I know that they're not hiring, you know. So, okay, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So then about three weeks later, uh, and my wife and I were actually in North Carolina at the time. We were living with her parents in a very small house in a very rural part of North Carolina. And I was commuting an hour to Winston-Salem to work tutoring jobs and things like that. And then I get this email from... Alice saying, hey, no theater professor jobs, but we're, I'm looking for a new executive assistant. And at the time, they were rescoping the president's office positions. Uh, and they were, they were going from kind of three interchangeable secretarial positions to a little more of a structured roles uh, for each of those positions. And one of them was going to be an executive assistant. And she said, is that something you're interested in? And I really didn't even know what I was signing on for. I mean, I knew what the words meant, but I didn't really know what. And and also I had to, you know, again, look up where Lehigh University was. And so that was kind of it. I came up. I did a day-long interview, um, you know, talked to a whole bunch of people, and I guess passed the, passed the bar. <laughs> so I ended up being offered the job, took the job, and said, Hey, honey, we're moving to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> she said, where? Where now? <laughs> uh, and so well, here we came. Here you came. And mm -hmm. so to fast forward a little bit, uh, after a number of years in the president's office, um, yeah. you saw this opportunity, this new uh, startup in a right. way in the middle of, of Lehigh, right. the Office of Creative Inquiry. Mm -hmm. um, what what excited you about that? What made you decide to to go for it. Yeah, well, I'd been, you know, Mountaintop program, the summer program started in 2013. And I was very much involved in those, or at least around those conversations and was very familiar with the program and knew that 
the university, the higher levels of leadership were looking for full-time directorship of that program. And I had been thinking the whole time, you know, that sounds like a really interesting area to, to explore and a really interesting uh, job for somebody. And I knew that they were also trying to kind of expand the scope beyond just full-time director of the summer program. They were looking for something a little bit more that would take that ethos and capture it and, and make it part of the way Lehigh does things year-round. And so I was aware that this search was kind of going on. And um, and at that point, so Alice had left, and uh, we had an interim president for a year, and Kevin Clayton. Um, and then we have John Simon, who, you know, like just about everybody, you know, from the get-go, I, I, I liked John very much. You know, he's a wonderful guy, and he was great to work for, and, and uh, there was no wanting to leave, you know, working for him, but it was wanting a new opportunity, wanting something a little bit more. And I was pretty upfront with him about that. And so he knew I was sort of had my eye out. And then somebody tipped me off and said, you know, they're, we're getting ready to hire this, this going to be a vice provost position and, and they're going to be looking for a number two. And so it really didn't take long at all to think this is something I want to at least explore. And then when I met Kanjan and talked to him for a while and sort of drank the Kool-Aid and uh, listened to his vision, uh, which was so expansive. And so, uh, you know, exactly I felt what Lehigh needed to sort to, to really, you know, round out its this whole path to prominence, you know, this whole moving ahead and becoming a real 21st century institution, kind of putting it all together. I just really felt that where Kanjan wanted to take creative inquiry was was the right thing, and I wanted to be on board. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be offered that position, and, and away we went. <laughs> so how do you define creative inquiry? What does mm -hmm. that mean um, specifically at Lehigh? Mm -hmm. I, to me, it's uh, the biggest distinction between it and anything else, any other research, is that it's trying to do something entirely new, novel, innovative. Uh, when you're practicing creative inquiry, you're taking what's what exists in the world, but you're also framing out what the problems, what the questions are that, that need to be answered and haven't been answered. And it's finding a pathway or even just thinking that you might have found a pathway to answering those questions or solving those problems. And that's what I think distinguishes it from, you know, a lot of research, which is sort of studying what is uh, and thinking about what could be. But creative inquiry, it's all about what can be, what could be, what should be. Uh, and it's Kanjan's famous phrase, the three goals, impact, impact, and impact. <laughs> so all of our students have heard this. Um, and and that what that means is that everything is done towards with an eye towards um, the kind of impact it can make in the world and the kind of ways that it can change the world and make it better for people. Uh, and that can happen in a million different ways. So that's the big picture of what we think creative inquiry is. And it seems to me there's a tremendous amount of programming going on at any given time in your area. Yeah. Um, it seems like there are things that staff and faculty can can kind of mm -hmm. jump into, and mm -hmm. then there are things that are very focused on, on students. Give us a little sense of are there specific sort of buckets? Yeah. Of, like what is Maker X? What is, you know, what, right. are, what are all these terms? <laughs> yeah, all these things that show up in our weekly newsletter. Yeah. So, yeah, so the big, big buckets are uh, starting with the Mountaintop Summer Program, which still exists. And still last summer we had 26 projects up here, all interdisciplinary, all team-based, of all different 
types and flavors. And so we supported all those projects. And what we've done is create an academic infrastructure for those projects to continue year-round. So for the mountaintop style projects. And so that's through creative inquiry courses, which are open to all students. Um, we don't exist in a college or department. Um, but it took us two years. We actually had those courses as provisional for a while, and then we went through the whole process. And it was a rigorous process of getting them approved. And, and so they're now permanent courses on the books here at Lehigh that are creative inquiry. And really those are courses or vehicles mostly for the projects themselves. So every project has a faculty mentor. Uh, but the faculty mentor's role is really as a guide, not as a lecturer, not as a, in, you know, instructor of a class per se. It's really just as a research guide. So that's one way students can become involved, either through the summer program or during the year on one of these projects through the courses. And what we've done in the last year and are continuing this coming year is kind of grouped some of those projects together under a couple of different programs called the Social Impact Fellowship Programs. So we have one called the Global Social Impact Fellowship. And that's coming to the end of its first year. And we have another called the Lehigh Valley Social Impact Fellowship, which is going to start up in the spring. And that's really taking projects, um, some projects that already exist, and then some new projects, and putting them under this umbrella. And students uh, who want to be part of these fellowship programs make a one-year commitment. So they sign up in the spring semester, they take courses in the spring, they do field work in the summer, and then they take courses in the fall. So they've basically been with a project for a year, and by the end of that year, they will have uh, accomplished something you know, that they can take some credit for, whether that's even just a publishable research article or going to a conference, or they've actually advanced this project towards its goal, whatever that may be. But they take three credits of coursework in the spring and in the fall. Um, one credit is a weekly seminar where all the projects come together and they all sit in the same weekly seminar and they learn about these kind of umbrella topics and issues about how to make uh, impact in social impact in various settings. And then the two credits they take on the project course. Uh, so those are programs really we're, we're kind of putting a lot of eggs into those programs because they provide some structure for our projects and they provide a way for students to really achieve something as opposed to just kind of dipping their toes in for a semester or summer or something. And so that's another way to get involved. And then we have, yeah, the LearnX, MakeX, SprintX, which are just this kind of, it's kind of a title for a series of loose workshops, one-offs. Um, and these are open to staff and faculty as well as students. And um, a lot of them we partner with the Wilbur Powerhouse to put on. So a lot of them are technical in nature, but not all. Uh, we have LearnXs on how to be happy. And we have LearnXs on uh, world religions. We have LearnXs on practical things like designing an experiment or something like that. But it's also, hey, show up and learn how to use a welding torch, uh, learn how to use a 3D printer. You know, all these things that are kind of there and out in the world and people don't um, and maybe haven't had their hands on it. But this is an opportunity to just, hey, show up, get your hands on, get your hands dirty. And then there's the whole, there's the big pumpkins of power tools, MakeX, which yeah. is always... Is that the big popular one? It's the big popular one, yeah, hundreds of people, because um, who doesn't want to take a power drill to a pumpkin and just watch it fly? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a pretty, it's, it sells itself. So, That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, you're clearly enthusiastic about the stuff that your your department does. What would you say is um, your favorite part of your role and, and what you do, how you contribute towards that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's a lot of favorite parts, and I am really enthusiastic about it. And I think, you know, we are we're almost three years into this thing, but we do, I think, both Conjon and I sort of feel like we're in startup mode still because there's still a lot of people on this campus that don't quite know who we are, what we do. And uh, 
you know, the best part for me is uh, having more contact with students um, than a typical administrative director role might. Um, you know, I'm not just at my desk, but I get to uh, to go out and especially in the summer, in the summer program, when all the projects are up here in Building C. But also during the year, I get to interact with those students and really help them, you know, do what they need to do to make progress towards uh, the goals of these projects. And course, our students are just incredibly passionate and incredibly multifaceted, multi-talented, and, and, uh, but they're also young, you know, and so they also need a lot of guidance. And so I can just be kind of a part of that journey for them and uh, an important part of that journey and really helping them achieve the goals that they want to set. That's one of the best parts of it. And I would just say, you know, I've I'm a big fan of, of the new. I'm a big fan of uh, trying things that haven't existed before. So this kind of fits right into that wheelhouse. Um, I didn't say it before, but my PhD dissertation was basically all on avant-garde and experimental theater. And that's actually like I was totally in that world for several years. Uh, and so I just love the, you know, anything that's uh, kind of throws a monkey wrench into the whole system of doing things in the world I'm just a big fan of. And, you know, doing that with uh, in a pragmatic way, not just in a totally chaotic way, but doing that in a way that really just gives something new to the world. And so, you know, all these programs that haven't existed at Lehigh any, uh, before us, um, it's exciting to just be part of that. There's another way that you work with students on campus, though, isn't there? Because from what I understand, you haven't totally left your, your theater life <laughs> right, behind. Right, right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the first things I did when I got here was to walk over to Zollner Arts Center and <laughs> to that theater department that I think Alice may or may not have sent my CV onto. Uh, and I sort of handed him my resume and said, hi, I have a fresh, unused PhD in theater. Do you have anything? <laughs> Do you have any work for me? And uh, luckily, they were, you know, totally receptive, knowing that I was on campus. So I guess, yeah, I've been kind of an at-will employee of the Department of Theater, and I come when I'm called. Uh, but the main thing uh, and the funny thing that they were really looking for when I walked in the door was somebody to um, do some musical theater here, which, as I said, I had some background in. It wasn't like my my primary thing, but uh, having the music background and the theater background. And uh, I just and they said our students have been begging to do musicals here for years and we haven't done one. And, uh, you know, would you be willing to consider music direction and all this? Well, you know, sure. Why not? That's fun. So uh, ended up, yeah, started doing musicals. And and then uh, a couple of years ago, taught the first musical theater class here. They asked me, would you be interested in developing a semester long course, which I did. And we had 10 students and it was a riot and it was super fun. And then uh, I've taught some theater history courses, which is my other uh, specialty, I guess. And so when they have a, you know, a leave or something like that and they have a, a hole they need filling, they, they give me a call. And, yeah, that's kept me working really closely with students. Working with theater department just has allowed me to, to do what I love, which is teaching, and what I also love, which is theater. And, and it's been great. So I'm hoping that there's more of that on the horizon. So exciting. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing all of this with us, Bill. Absolutely. Uh, Bill Whitney, for, who's the Administrative Director of the Office of Creative Inquiry, etc. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate your time and uh, learning all about the office. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This podcast is a production of Lehigh University Human Resources. Our producer is Emma Dillon. 
The podcast is recorded in Lehigh's audio recording studio in Mountaintop Building C. Special thanks to Jarrett Brown of Library and Technology Services for technical assistance. I'm Hillary Kwiatek. Join us next time to see who we spot.